today is uh, what we as a congregation, excuse me, call Ingathering Sunday. And it goes by different names. Some people call it Pledge Sunday. Other people call it Stewardship Sunday. We call it Ingathering Sunday because I believe it's good to tie together the idea of our giving with what we've received so graciously at the hand of God. And around the country, churches are doing this today, particularly in our tradition. Fall, Halloween, and Thanksgiving is my favorite time of year. I like it better than Christmas, even. Are some of you with me? What do I like so much about it? I like the simplicity of it. I like the fact that Thanksgiving is one of those holidays that has resisted greatly uh, the commercialization that's come with Christmas and other holidays in the year. Gosh, even Halloween. But do you know that Thanksgiving is at the heart of the Christian faith? That's true. Thanksgiving is at the heart of the Christian faith. It's all about responding to God in thanksgiving and gratitude for his love, that our love and obedience comes forth. Friends, God loves you. He wants what's best for you. But we don't always see it or appreciate it or follow it. There's three things that I've felt led to preach to you on this morning, but they're all wrapped up in one thing a thankful heart. And so the three parts that I'm going to talk about that have to deal with a thankful heart is number one, the core. Number two, the cure. And number three, the key. The core of the Christian faith, as I've already said, is thanksgiving. The cure for spiritual weakness is thanksgiving. The key to endurance is, that's right, thanksgiving. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2, St. Paul puts it succinctly when he writes, And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering of sacrifice to God. The Apostle John, in his second epistle to the church, writes in verse 6 of chapter 1, And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you've heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. And both of these apostles are actually echoing a theme that comes to the church from the Old Testament, from the Hebrew people of God, from Psalm 50:14, and we referenced it in our psalm today. Also, offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and perform your vows to the Most High. What the apostle and the psalmist is saying is that thanksgiving, in thanksgiving, we start by saying thank you, which seems obvious. I always skip over it. We start by saying thank you. C.S. Lewis writes in his letters to Malcolm, gratitude exclaims, how good of God to give me this. How good of God to give me this. He continues, one's mind runs back up the sunbeam to the sun. Isn't that a beautiful image? Of course, C.S. Lewis is always full of them. Our mind 
in thanksgiving runs back from the sunbeam to the sun, to the source of light, to the source of all that we've been given. But thankfulness also goes beyond acknowledgement, doesn't it? And we know this, even in our human interactions. So, the national holiday of Thanksgiving is a little later this year, but I venture most of you will be around a table somewhere, at least I hope so. And how many of us would go to that table of Thanksgiving dinner, pull up a chair, be ready to eat, eat up everything as quickly as possible, drink our glass of wine, stand up and say thank you, and rush out the door? How many of us would do that? None of us, right? Never mind with helping with dishes or enjoying the company of your hosts or family. If you rush out the door, you're saying, I'm too busy. I've got to get to that pre-Black Friday sale. It's going on. And if someone in your family did that, I'm willing to bet that you doubt his or her thankfulness, wouldn't you? You might even call them thankless or ungrateful under your breath, maybe even to one another. Your feelings and the feelings of the host would be great, greatly hurt. Now, we don't have to worry about God's feelings. We can't hurt him in that way. But we do have to be concerned about hurting ourselves by a lack of thankfulness. We have to be worry about hurting ourselves by a lack of thankfulness. You see, a thankful heart, as I've said, is the core of the Christian. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 22, our Lord Jesus was asked by a lawyer, Teacher, which is the great, greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. We know this is the summary of the law, right? With the exception of once a month, today we did the Decalogue, we start the service with it, right? From Matthew 22, 37. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Why do we start with that? Because it's the core of who we are. Notice, what do we ask for at the beginning of the service, even before that, in the Collect for Purity? We prayed it together in unison today. What do we ask God to purify? Purify our hearts as we come to worship, right? Purify our hearts. You see, the heart is where thanksgiving and gratitude is, or is not. It's where thanksgiving and gratitude is, or where its opposites, envy and covetousness, are. The heart is the center of thanksgiving and also the center of worship for the Christian. And again, Jesus says in his gospel, in Matthew's gospel, the good person out of good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person, out of his evil treasure, produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. 
So in those things that we think, say, and do, it's actually the heart that shapes whether it's good or whether it's evil. And the heart can have different dispositions, obviously. What's disposition? What's that word mean? It's got a lot of different... um, I looked it up. It's got a lot of different definitions. Two of them apply here. Number one, the tendency of something to act in a certain matter under given circumstances. So disposition can be the tendency of something to act in a certain matter under given circumstances. So that kind of makes sense here, right? Given that the Lord has saved me, given that I'm an adopted son or daughter of God, my heart should act in a certain manner. The second definition is orderly arrangement. Orderly arrangement. To have a good disposition of one's heart is to have it orderly arranged. Now, as Christians, we know that we've been given a new heart. Right? Thank you. I know we're not Baptists, but we can have some dialogue, right? We've been given a new heart. God promises that. And we're also told, however, that we must circumcise our heart by St. Paul. Having a heart of thanks, friends, is part of that circumcising of the heart. Creating a tenderness, a thankfulness, a gratitude. Not just a feeling, notice, but a permanent change. Not even just one choice, but an ongoing, habituated quality that can be increased or decreased, that can be fed or stifled, that disposition of the heart. But the proper disposition, ordering or response in a manner under given circumstances of the heart, for the Christian is a thankful heart. And the lack of a thankful heart brings out coldness, callousness in worship and in service, in relationship with one another, in self-centeredness and weariness. But friends, the good news is that thankfulness is the cure to all those things because it's part of being thankful to God for all that he's done and given. The Old Testament lesson today in Malachi is a case study in this very point. I don't know if you thought about it or caught it, but I invite you to look with me at Malachi chapter 3. Either you can open your Bible or you can look at the first lesson in the insert. Now, if you don't know what's going on as you're opening to that point at this time in history, the prophet Malachi is the last prophet. This book is the last book of the Old Testament. For 400 years, from Malachi to John the Baptist, there's not another prophet, per se. And this is approximately... 100 years after King Cyrus, the great Persian king, has released the Jews to go back to their land from exile. They're no longer captives, but they're still under Syrian control at this time in the Old Testament. 
But there's another thing going on, and that is that there's not been a demonstration of God's power for some time in the life of God's people. And they're weary. There's some faithful who thank the Lord, but there's many unthankful. God speaks to the unthankful first. Look at today's reading. Chapter 3, starting with verse 13 through 15. You have been hard against me, says the Lord, but you say, how have we spoken against you? You have said, it is vain to serve God. What is the profit of our keeping his charge or walking as in mourning before the Lord of hosts? There's some key phrases here. It is vain to serve God. What is the profit of keeping his charge? The unthankful are asking. These two statements are more than doubt, right? This is more than just doubt in God. It's a hardness. It's a callousness. It's a selfishness. Think of what they're saying. It is vain to serve God. Another translation renders it, it is useless to serve God. It demonstrates the utter lack of understanding of the reality of what the Apostle James writes in his epistle, that every good gift comes from God above. The only way that we can think that serving God is useless as human beings is to be so self-centered to be so myopic, so tunnel-visionly focused on ourself and our needs that we lose sight of everything that God's given us. All the gifts that he's granted us, including being his children, including life itself. But the second phrase is even worse. What is the profit of our keeping his charge? The unthankful ask. Well, that's just a fancy way of saying, what's in it for me? What's in it for us? You see, it's not just a lack of thanksgiving, but it's worse. But the lack of thanksgiving leads to this place. And it leads to a delusion that comes with hardness of heart and a weariness of soul. In our epistle, St. Paul admonishes the church in Thessalonica in verse 13, and you can look at it with me if you will, but I'm not going to be too much in this passage this morning. He writes, As for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. As for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. Now, I've heard some in our congregation speak of being weary lately. I have spoke of being weary lately, so I'm not unsympathetic to it. I've been weary at different points this year. And when we look at it, stress can make us weary, change can make us weary, lots of things can make us weary. But you know one thing that chiefly makes one spiritually weary? Unthankfulness. Unthankfulness to God makes you weary and it makes you over-dependent on yourself. Because with unthankfulness comes self-dependence and self-reliance and thinking that you are master of your situation and of your life, which, of course, is dead wrong. Let me give you an example of how this happens very subtly and very easily in the life of a Christian. 
I was listening to a Christian priest and his wife speak recently, and the wife was talking about how frustrated she was with something in her life that she just couldn't do. She tried again. She repented. She tried. She was, she was striving hard to do this thing. But she just couldn't do it. And she didn't pray. Well, she was sharing this story with one of her friends, and her friend quickly said to her in admonishment, what gives you the right to think you can accomplish this without God? Hmm. What gives you the right to think you can accomplish this without God? Why, is she, why was she so weary? She was depending on herself. It was her thankless heart driving her to her own self-reliance, which she had to then confess, and happily did, and went back and asked the Lord to help her with that thing. Do you see how it sneaks in to the faithful Christian's life? Now look what Jesus says in the Gospel today. Speaking of the coming days ahead for the apostles, which is no easy reading, is it? But he says at the end, do not be led astray, in verse 8. By your endurance you will gain your lives, in verse 19. But look at what he says before verse 19 starting with verses 16. You will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and some of you they will put to death. You will be hated by all for my name's sake, but not a hair on your head will perish. By your endurance you will gain your lives. First of all, let's deal with the obvious. How can he say that they're going to be put to death and yet not a hair on their head is going to perish. What's our Lord saying there? That this endurance is not just about the survival of the body, right? It's primarily about the survival of the soul here. That the body may perish, but the soul will not. And of course we know from last week the body will be resurrected. That's part of the story too. The answer is that the Lord is sovereign over life and death itself. But more importantly here, what is Jesus saying? That endurance is fueled by thankfulness for God's promise. Now he's not saying it explicitly outright, but what is he doing here by saying verses 16 and 17 and 18 before verse 19? If you want to endure, trust in my protection and promise and be thankful for it. For I've overcome the world, he says elsewhere. Now look back at Malachi chapter 3, this time verses 17 and 18. Our first reading, Malachi chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. Look what he says about his thankful people. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts in the day when I make up my treasured possession, and I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. Then once more you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. You see, God's promise here, coupled with the gospel, is that not only will he protect us, but that we, as his thankful people, are his treasured possession his sons, and by extension, his daughters. 
Dear Christian brother and sister, how the Christian trains his or her heart affects greatly how he will continue and affects greatly how she will have a relationship with God, with the church, and with our neighbors. If you want to walk in love, as St. Paul teaches, if you want to love God by keeping His commandments, if you want to love God with all your being, if you want to love your neighbor as yourself, as our Lord teaches in the summary of the law, if you want to not grow weary, and that's important, if you want to not grow weary, you need to make room for thankfulness in your heart. And then you can act upon it. So acting on a thankful heart is a whole other sermon. But suffice it to say that cultivating a thankful heart, making our hearts have that disposition to God, includes something that we're talking about today. Tithing. Tithing. Pledging. Committing to the body of our time, of our talent, and of our treasure. Now today we're focusing on our treasure as a congregation, but the lesson remains for the other two, of our time and of our talent. If we want to not be weary, we must be thankful. Such giving is cheerful when you have a thankful heart. Attending Sunday worship may still be surrounded with tasks and challenges. I know. I have two children under five, right? Primarily my wife has to deal with those tasks. And I know it's hard to get our families here. I know that. Sometimes it's hard to get here ourselves if we're older. Or maybe if we've just had a really full week, right? It's still a challenge. It's still a task. But it's a joyful duty, as we said in our collect. For we gather together to be fed in word and sacrament, to come to give thanks to God as we do our ministries, as we do the work of the church, both here and outside these walls, as we do service to the world. A person with a thankful heart cannot wait to give of him or herself because he can't wait to see what is God going to do. What is God going to do with this time that I'm giving? What's he going to do with this talent that I'm lending to the kingdom? What's he going to do with this money that I'm giving? My treasure. A cheerful heart anticipates that. And if you're weary right now in your faith, in your attendance, in your ministry, there may be different reasons for it. I'm not saying that a thankless heart is the only reason to be weary. That's not true. However, is thanksgiving lacking and gratitude lacking in your heart? Are you lacking in that disposition? We have to ask ourselves that first because it shapes everything else. Right? Because a thankful heart sets priorities. So does a thankless heart. A thankful heart sets attitude and mood. So does a thankless heart. The disposition of a thankful heart brings forth good out of the heart. We speak goodness, we do goodness, we act well. Or not. Offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving to God, and that includes the whole person. A living sacrifice, Romans talks about. Our central act as the body of Christ is what? What are we here to do today? What's the name of our service? 
Page 123 in the prayer book. What's it called? The great, well, the great thanksgiving. Yeah, well, that, that's the beginning of the Eucharistic prayer, but the service is what? Holy communion, the Holy Eucharist, or the administration of the Lord's Supper. Do you know what the word Eucharist means? Thanksgiving. It's the Greek word for thanksgiving. We have come together and we come together every Sunday that we have communion to give thanks to God for what He's given to us. All things come of Thee, O Lord, and of Thine own have we given Thee. Our central act as Christians is thanks. So dear brothers and sisters, give of yourself so that you might cultivate a heart of thanks more and more. And if you're weary, go back and check your heart and ask Him for help. Don't think that you can somehow get out of your weariness yourself, for that's foolish, and you'll just be disappointed and fall into despair. It's one area where God tells us we can test Him. Just before today's first lesson, in Malachi 3.10, the prophet writes, Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. The Lord tells his people to test him on this. Test him on this. And he's not just talking about the tithe of money. He's talking about all of ourselves. You see, a thankful heart is the core of our faith the cure for spiritual weariness, and the key to enduring until the end. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for all that you've given us. Lord, we repent of the times when we're not faithful. We repent of the times when we trust on ourselves and not in your strength. And we ask, Lord, that you would even now be refashioning and reshaping us, that the disposition of our heart and our lives might be one of thanksgiving and gratitude for all you've given to us, for our life, for the many good gifts from above, for our salvation. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.